Welcome back to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Trance, live from the Kintech studio. 650-650, of course, is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, final segment of the show today. And uh, since we did the crossover in our first segment with Donnie and Dolly, let's wrap up the show today with the whiteboard. All right, now, fellas. Hey, let's focus up, huh? You got something to say? No, headlines draft. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're gonna do another headlines yeah. draft. All right. Uh, sure. Do you want? I I got to go first yesterday, so you you go first today. Okay. Let's start with I'll the go game. First, thank you. No, Dom. You will not. Let's start with the. <laughs> let's start with the game. Canucks manhandle the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. Win four two. Finish three one and one. You stole my pick. On the road trip. Yeah, solid, strong post all star trip. What did I say? Four one and one. Three one and one, and our four points clear at the top of the table. The top of the table. Top of the NHL standings. <laughs> just start. He's slowly. got Champions League. On, a good. So. I was gonna say a good bit for you would just be like slowly start integrating soccer. Oh, I've already been doing it. So- soccer uh, dude, jargon and sorry. seeing how long it takes people to notice. Sorry, I've already been doing it. One of my favorite ones is uh, shambolic in, defending from the Canucks. One of my favorite ones is in Chinese soccer commentary. Okay, oh. so this is super niche. Oh. Yeah. Okay, if you massively kick a ball way over the net, like it just goes skyward, as sometimes happens in soccer. They call it a stir-fry aeroplane. Obviously, they call it something in Chinese, but the translation is stir-fry aeroplane. Um, Mandarin, excuse me. Anyway, um, and I love that. Stir-fry aeroplane. I I use that all the time when guys sky shots in the NHL. I think that should be common parlance. Also, another good one. Brace? In Italian soccer. I like brace. In Italian soccer. I like brace, too. In Italian soccer... When you hire a retread manager, mm-hmm. oh, this should be good. The loose translation is sloppy seconds. Cold, no, no, Dom. <laughs> cold bowl of soup that what? doesn't please anybody. What? Yeah, it's good. That's a good one. Shout out to the Italians. Yeah. They, they were cooking with that one. The, <laughs> well, or not. The NHL is really good at uh, hiring cold bowls of soup that don't please anybody. It's an NHL specialty. All right. Okay. You had the game. I had the game. All right. I'm going to go. I mean, like, it's got to be Phil Kessel. It's got to be Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel has to be second. Phil Kessel, I would, I, I almost, I would probably taken Phil Kessel first. I, I thought about it, but I wanted to stay on task. He's here. Not just he's here. He's skating with Abbotsford. It's gone from, you know, keep an eye on where this goes to seeming potentially imminent. Although, as Rick Dollywell says, uh, there's no guarantees that have been made. But obviously, major, major interest between the two sides. And I mean, look, it's it, here's the thing. Even if Phil Kessel does eventually sign and never is really more of like a bit player for the Canucks, and so it's not that impactful. It has given us such a volume of things to talk about and angles to take on this, and mm. it generated so much interest. Like, you know what it actually kind of reminds me of? And this is a symbol, uh, a signal of how far the Canucks have come from this time last year to right now. You know, last year, the kind of like late season surprise guest star of the season was Akito Hirose, NCAA free agent. And I remember all of a sudden it was like, so much Akito Hirose talk all the time. It's like he was the new star of this portion of the Canucks season. 
this year it could be Phil Kessel, three-time Stanley Cup champion. It's just a very different vibe, uh, but that's what it's kind of been. So I think he has to be the second pick in a headlines draft here. Yeah, no question. Uh, he's arrived in Vancouver. People are taking grainy cell phone photos. Uh-huh. It's a matter of uh, like national hockey interest. Mm-hmm. This is a highly accomplished guy with a lengthy and complicated relationship with both the head coach and the general manager, or sorry, and the president of hockey operations of this hockey club. Um can he help? Can he not help? Should the club spend their cap space elsewhere? Is he a redundant fit? I mean, there's so many different angles to unpack. Uh, this is going to keep us talking for a while oh, yeah. uh, following his first practice in Abbotsford. Plus, by the way, Phil Kessel, eight points away from uh, 1,000 on his career, which is another interesting thing. Like, we were talking about the drive for him to to get back and play. Now, eight points, even if he does sign and get back in the lineup, might be a tall order with what's remaining here, but uh, that is an interesting, uh, uh, another thing to note from Phil Kessel's perspective about his potential interest in joining the Canucks. Um, should we do another uh, Yeah, another yeah, I've got here? another one. Okay. Unless you steal mine. Well, I guess I get to go again. Yeah. So I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with the third line. Yeah, yeah, that's the right. The third one. line I've got dominated. One more, though, so we'll... yeah, I have another one as well. But yeah. the third line, you know, we Ooh, talked about well, it. So do I. <laughs> I'm just gonna yeah, okay. Brag. <laughs> you think you're the only one who can draft headlines? <laughs> I got news for you, pal. Um, look, they are a huge part of this Canucks season, of the story of this Canucks season. I said it earlier in the show. If they were just playing like. Maybe I said it off air even, but if they were just playing like, a, a, you know, an above average third line mm. as opposed to, and this is dead serious, like their results together in terms of the process and all that, legitimately among the best lines in hockey. I mean, it's like not even hyperbole. It is right up there with some of the best. I'm not saying they're the best, but like top 15-ish, I don't think is out of the question with the way they've performed, especially over the last couple of months. We're having a very different conversation. Not that it's the season's a disaster without that or anything, but like that's been a huge driver of the reason the Canucks are, as you say, four points clear at the top of the table in the position to win the Pacific. All of those things, yeah, you need Thatcher Demko, you need Quinn Hughes, you need Elias Pettersson and JT Miller and what they're doing, but the fact that this line has been so good, so consistent, is a massive, massive part of why the Canucks are where they are. Yeah, well, they're... Absolutely a key driver of this team's five-on-five success. They are this team's best line. They are being used as at, at a second-line clip. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a top-six line. We call it the third line because of when they take line rushes and because Pedersen nor JT Miller are on it. Mm-hmm. But in terms of usage, you know, this team's using this line like a second line. Like, they are highly involved. Uh, they are driving play unlike any other Canucks line, and there's bottom line there. In terms of their case to be the best line in hockey, I'm not. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I said okay. among the best. I didn't say they were the best line in hockey. Okay, let's not go. Let's not go overboard because I don't think there's a case. No, I don't think there is. I think it's Hyman, McDavid, and Ryan Nugent yeah. Hopkins. I'm, and I'm not gonna. Don't don't try to put that on me. <laughs> and then I think it's Kachuk, Bennett, and Verhage. And then <laughs> I'm open to thinking about it. All right. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 maybe I'm not going that far, but, you know. Anyway, they were great. Last one, Noah Juleson. Which is just okay. Sh- headline, Noah Juleson. Shout out to Noah Juleson. Killing it. I don't see any way this team can remove him from the lineup. That's an incredible rise 
given like his performance in that Philadelphia mm-hmm. game, given where he was last season, where he was earlier in the season. We'd seen flashes before. I mean, they like they went out, not that it was the only reason, but I mean, they went out and got Mark Friedman, like in part because like, hey, we needed somebody else to well, put in the lineup. Uh, you know I what mean, I mean? Over Noah Juleson. I think it's fair to say that Akito Hirose and um, Noah Juleson sort of like helped keep the Edmonton Oilers in that second game of the year mm. like mm-hmm. it was it was not good enough at the bottom pair I think that's why they went and got Friedman um especially because Susie was still out right but yeah I mean I I honestly don't know how you take him out of the lineup right now he's playing so well um do you have anything to add in uh, in the broadsheet because that your point there and what I was going to draft kind of goes right into lineup notes as well. I mean, I guess the only thing the only thing worth mentioning, I know you've made the joke like, hey, they're working the phones and looking to add uh, add on defense if they can. But just as Rick Dollywell mentioned when we were talking to him, they're still very active here. They're still very active, and it does still feel like there are more shoes to drop before the Mar- March 8th uh, trade deadline, which is great news since we're going to have wall-to-wall coverage here on Sportsnet 650. But I think that's the key thing to keep in mind is – this is probably not a finished product yet for the Canucks. You read anything into just a question, and then we'll move on from the broadsheet. You read anything into the complete lack of Pedersen updates? Pedersen update post All Star break. Ah. Is it good news? Is it no news? Is it? I'm going to say. What do you read into the absence of information? Speculate freely. Uh, I'm going to say it's no news. Yeah, I'm I think very you're... tempted to say it's good news. I think you and I have talked about this in the past where sometimes things go silent or things seem a little maybe even bad before a deal eventually gets done. Sometimes sides throw one last like uh, run of elbows. So could you make the fact pattern that we've seen with Elias Pettersson, the Canucks fit that? Yeah, you probably could. But I also wonder if it's just as simple as there was that flurry of conversation and commentary, not conversation between the two sides, but commentary uh, from the Canucks about how much they'd like to get it done in January. They kind of, okay, they've said their piece and now it's status quo. That's my read with zero inside information whatsoever. Could be something else, but that's how I'm looking at it. Fingers crossed. We will see. We will see where it goes. Do you like how I let you speculate and then quickly withdrew? (laughs) Decided not declined to speculate. But see, I'm not an insider, so I have the I have I'm the not, uh, well, I have I say, the, you know, I say you I every every day. That's I say true. that you are. I have the freedom of speculation, and nobody's like, "Ooh, what, what does he actually mean by this?" They're like, "No, he's just talking. <laughs> he's enough. just saying nonsense," uh, which I enjoy doing. Uh, lineup notes. So you mentioned Noah Juleson. How do you take him out of the lineup? Uh, Nikita Zadorov eligible to return on Thursday against the Red Wings. Now he will get into the lineup because they're still playing Mark Friedman, uh, of course. So that won't actually have to be a, a decision made there. But once Carson Soucy is healthy, and you know, assuming everyone's still here and no one's been traded, that no one else is injured, that will end up being a uh, being a decision they have to make. And I think you know, typically. This Canucks coaching staff gives you a very, very clear idea of kind of how they rate their players and who they're most confident in based on the ice time. And we were talking earlier in the week about the ice time of Noah Juleson and Nikita Zadorov starting to kind of meet in the middle. Zadorov's trending down. Noah Juleson's trending up. And as we get closer to that eventual eventual decision, I think it's going to be worth really keeping an eye on those two numbers. How much is Noah Juleson playing? How much is Nikita Zadorov? Because that's going to tell you a lot about where that situation is going. Well, and how well does the penalty kill continue to perform? Right, and how much of that is attributed to Noah, to Noah Juleson? Juleson. How indispensable does he become in the club's estimation? 
Yeah, that's a good one. Um, the other thing I was going to say in the headlines was Niels Hoaglander scores again. Uh, this time playing Three with uh, Elias Pettersson and Elias Lindholm on the all-Swedish line, getting another look in the top six. And with Ilya Mikheyev's demotion to the bottom six and where his minutes have trended, with Rick Tockett openly speaking about, hey, there's there's spots open in the top six, guys have a chance to audition – and, you know, it's obviously never just been about offensive production with Niels Hoaglander. We know there's been questions about the other facets of his game from not just this coach, but his other coaches in his NHL career, too. But given the flux elsewhere and the kind of search for answers in the top six, if he's doing these types of things, if he's clicking with Elias Pettersson, if he's scoring consistently, I mean, he pretty much has to be a top six fixture now. Like, I don't see the other option where you're like, no, 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 we're, we're sorry, Niels, you know, you're producing, but we're going to try this guy over you in the top six. Like, I think the leash has got to be pretty significant at this point for Niels Hoaglander. Well, it hasn't been. It hasn't been in the past, but I'm saying yeah. it should be now going on. Well, also for going forward. Can we get this guy on the power play? Yeah. Like, how much longer do we have to pretend that's not absolutely essential given, you know, I mean, what? They've had like Sam Lafferty in the bumper. They've had Ilya Mikheyev on the half wall. Like, you know, this guy's producing constantly in, in limited minutes. And having seen the club scale up that role, uh, he's proved equal to the task. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's time to keep going, in my view. And I know um, uh, Irfan Gafar was on Canucks Central last night saying, like, hey, Elias Pettersson really likes playing with Niels Hoaglander, right? So if there's chemistry there, and then it clicks with Elias Lindholm as well, like, it seems like a pretty good option to be that guy that comes in and compliments two of your top players. Um, I think he has that skill set. And, and we'll see. Maybe the lead, maybe there isn't that trust to, to earn that spot, but at least in the here and now with the way the roster is set up at the time, I think this should be Niels Hoaglander's spot to run with. I also what, did want to note, I thought it was interesting that uh, Rick Tockett spoke after the game and kind of acknowledged, you know, he's shifted Lindholm around a lot already in his short tenure with the Canucks, and maybe it's time to kind of get him in a groove and a rhythm in a familiar spot. I would expect we see that again tomorrow against Detroit, and I, I agree with Tockett that I think it's time uh, to give that setup a look here. Yep. All right. Anything else in the lineup notes that you want to add? Nope. All right, playoff forecast. So this is, I actually think this is really interesting. As interesting as a 3% a bump in the Canucks' chances to win the division can be. So they win last night, of course. They beat Chicago 4-2. Edmonton also wins. And, of course, Edmonton, the second, the team with the second best chances per Dom's model to win the Pacific. Despite them both winning, the Canucks' div division chances go from 71% to 74%. Every game. Edmonton's Canucks, running at a runway, man. Edmonton, well, I think more than that. The Canucks are running out, or um, the run, yeah, exactly. The ability, the runway for the Oilers to out-accumulate the Canucks, especially given the lack of head-to-heads between the two. Mm -hmm. um, it's just out of their control. So and they're at a point now where holding serve is like a significant win for them. I'd add this too. Like, we know that Vancouver's underlying form has ticked up mm. since January. It hasn't been, like, all meteoric, right? Like, very much they had, like, this spike in the first half of the month of January through the New York stage of the trip, and then it kind of slid back down. Still to a higher point than it was in the fall, but not, like, the promise of what we saw in, in mid-January. Yep. But last night, they completely flattened. Completely flattened. That the Blackhawks. Blackhawks team. So, A, that's going to juice some of the underlying stuff that the model reacts to, and two... 
the more this team wins, the more the model's going to buy in. Like, what are their Stanley Cup odds? Are those moving? Oh, let me check from actually, five, really quickly. It's been hovering. they're still not five percent still. They've been kind of so, four or five for most of the so, time. Because to me, that's the number. Like, yep. the model's not going to adjust that number until it begins to view the Canucks as like equal in talent to the Oilers. Like the Oilers are what are holding that number down. The model believes in the Oilers as the best team in hockey in a way um, that restrains Vancouver's cup odds. That to me is going to be the number to track over the balance of the season. Yeah, but I do think it's striking now just the, the, the degree to which, as I said, holding serve in the race for the division is actually a massive win for the Canucks as the, as the number of games continues to tick down. Right now, the Oilers are on pace for about 106 points. And of course, that's taking their entire season into account, right? The dismal start, but also the 16 wins in a row. They're on pace for about 106 points. The Canucks get to 106 just by going 500 the rest mm. of the way, right? So not that Edmonton can't go above that. They're really, really good. You would expect them probably to uh, to eclipse that number. But the Canucks don't have to do a whole lot to get to, you know, 110, 111, something like that. And uh, that's the point where it becomes really, really difficult for Edmonton to catch up with them. So I thought that was very, very notable. I also, this isn't really playoff. Well, it is playoff forecast related uh, for the Canucks. L.A. Kings following up a big win over the Edmonton Oilers, getting blown out 7-0 by the Buffalo Sabres last night. And, you know, they're still the model still really, really likes L.A. because of their underlying numbers to make the playoffs, right? They still have an 85% chance to make the playoffs, and the rest of the Western Conference just can't get their act together to really put pressure on them either. It's just interesting, though. Like, where is this going with the LA Kings? They've already made the coaching change. You're still having results like that. And as it becomes more and more likely uh, that the Canucks could be matched up with LA uh, if they finish in that wild card spot or one of the two wild card spots, like, it's really worth monitoring. And man, that was one uh, that I know raised eyebrows around the league last night. Seven zip to the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, unreal. I mean, I'm still, I'm still holding. I just want to note this. I'm still mm-hmm, holding, mm-hmm. but. That was ugly. It was not uh, not a good performance. And uh, Seattle won, so you're you're cracking one last night. Uh, but uh, dismal performance elsewhere for the the Western Conference would be playoff well, and, contenders. And interestingly, it seems like a trend of late that like one like team the, wins and everyone else loses. Well, no, that the East is overpowering. Oh yeah, it's just something to monitor. Uh, gambling update. Odds are open for uh, Red Wings versus Canucks. I actually think the total's more interesting than the side here. Uh, six and a half, set mm-hmm. at six and a half, with like plus money, like plus 110, plus 105. 110's the consensus on the under. Oh, interesting. So the market expects a lot of goals between the Vancouver Canucks and the Detroit Red Wings. Um, I understand why. I understand why, but that seems a little overheated. Um, we need to get play now to price out like uh, a Canucks player does the gritty props and things like that. Jake Wallman over or under five minutes of uh, <laughs> penalties in the game. That'd be fun. Something like that. So those are the numbers we really need. Canucks, by the way, are minus 180 to one, minus 165, depending on where you look. Uh, home favorites, Detroit Red Wings, plus 150 consensus. Uh road dogs that's the whiteboard for today february 14th valentine's day the valentine's day edition uh, of the whiteboard here on canucks talk final few minutes of the show and of course the game against detroit the rematch from earlier in the weekend 
first of a, a mini two-game homestand, but they do have a run, and you, you were mentioning this a little bit earlier in the show here as well. They've got a run of a lot of really, really interesting games coming up, starting with their first meeting uh, with the Winnipeg Jets of the season at home on Saturday, hockey night, all of that, you know, two Western Canadian teams, that's going to be a good one. But then you look at it next week. They go on the road in Colorado. They come back. They host Boston. They'll be looking for revenge after that one. Pittsburgh, Jim Rutherford and, and Rick Tockett and everyone's old team on this team. L.A. for the first meeting. Uh, and then you get into March where, you know, they're at home for a long time. This is going to be or should be uh, a really fun stretch of Canucks hockey coming up with a lot of marquee matchups and you know a lot of matchups that could have relevance for what we see in the first round of the playoffs right like whether it's you know trying to duel Winnipeg for finishing first place in the conference a potential preview with LA like it feels like we're going to get a chance to gather a lot of information about how this team stacks up and what their road to the playoffs might look like here in the next few weeks Mm. yeah we are and also it's just gonna be fun like these are hopefully these are well no, but it's going to be fun either way. What yeah. do you mean? No, I mean, I hope they're good games. Like, we were hyped about the game at Boston, but that wasn't fun. Because it just wasn't a good game. It's not even like because they lost 4 nothing. It's just like, oh, this is a flat, boring game. Yeah, you know what true. I mean? That so was, I hope This was over in 22 Exactly. Minutes. It was like, oh, that was a dud. That was anticlimactic. I hope it's not that. I hope they're really good at fighting, yeah. you know, well, exciting I think, games. I think they will be. I think it's going to be a ton of fun to watch this team down the stretch and, and see how they measure up uh, against a bunch of, like, their peer level teams who they just haven't played yet. Exactly. Right? I mean, Winnipeg, LA, like. I think by the time they play LA, that'll be like the last team they haven't faced in the league, which is just wild. Feels for like it, it, yeah. It, wild for it to be a divisional opponent. And well, even the teams they have, like, you know, they played Vegas and Colorado during a relative fallow period mm-hmm. uh, in their season. You know, how do they measure up now? Is it different now? Can they, you know, because we didn't expect them to win those games. They weren't favored in those games. Like, it was totally different yep. than it will be this time around. I mean, how do they stack up? That, that to me, is fascinating. The flip side of that, and we have to wait a little bit. We don't get it till the third to last game uh, of the season. Um, game 80, baby. Is going to be Edmonton, yeah, right? No, Where I it's like wait. we're seeing a completely different Edmonton Oilers team. Well, we think we will be by that point, seeing a completely different uh, Edmonton Oilers team from what the Canucks you know (laughs) multiple times frustrated and embarrassed early on in the season so that one's going to be fascinating to watch again when we get there uh Chris and Duncan texted in what dance would you want to see a Canucks player do after a game-winning goal versus the Red Wings we talked about this with uh with Donnie and Dolly break out the John Travolta Saturday Night Fever easy fantastic I would like to see someone do the ducky What's with, what's with you and the Dougie, Dom? It's I'm a millennial. That's the I'm kind of with that too. That's the song of our hype. generation, like the John Wall intro. Yeah, it'd be sweet. Yeah, I'm a, I'm I think a, really any dance. You know what? Actually, no, would be pretty. I awesome. would like to see a hockey player crip walk on ice. <laughs> very, very seriously though, this Canucks team—they don't overly celebrate. You know what I mean? Like the ethos, the day-by-day ethos of this team is in conflict with that kind of celebration. The like, most in-character thing they could do would be win like four nothing and not not rub it in or at any way. You know what I mean? Yep. Just be like, yeah, we win. We're better than you. Bye. We don't play you again. See ya. And by the way, that's like super dismissive, and I'm here for it. A hundred percent. I don't think that would be like a bad thing. I think that'd be a good thing. That's leaning into your character, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's as fun. Like I, the thing about the gritty is we should have more over the top hockey celebration. Yes. Yes. I just love that yes. Jake Wallman has forced 
an entire like sports media contingent to discuss the gritty for like multiple days now. Well, and and you know Ridley Grieg like next time fall down and do the pool cue. Yeah, in the net. Like let's <laughs> let's let's amp up the stakes for disrespectful empty netters and over the top celebrations. I mean, by the way, we need we need clarity on this guy's name because I've heard ninety percent of the hockey community call him Greg. The pronunciation guide says Grieg. Have you checked hockey reference? That's that's where Grieg is. What do they say? What is we what we need to do is this is what I used to do is find out what the Ottawa home play by play people oh, okay. call them. Yeah. Yeah, oh no, that's for sure the way to do it. Have you seen Dakota Joshua's hockey reference pronunciation guide, what by the way? It? It's like du Kota. Yeah. And then it's Josh spelled J A W S H and then O Ah. Joshua. Oh, that's how I say it. <laughs> Finally. I'm sorry. I was just like checking out Dakota Joshua's career stats the other day, and I was like, Dakota Joshua. And it's like the pronunciation guide somehow makes it more complicated. I'm just picturing more Thomas, complicated. Thomas is sitting alone in his apartment or home or whatever he owns. Oh, 100%. And he's just owns. saying it out loud to himself. His wife is in the room, next room, like, uh, Thomas. Uh, you okay? Uh, it's it's unbelievable. It's like somehow they gave him a droid name from Star Wars. Anyway, we've All right, rumbled. we gotta go. We're way over time here. We'll wrap it up. Game day tomorrow. We're back on the air here on Sportsnet 650.